Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody. We are so excited. We have a special guest for today's episode. Um, But before we get into our special guest summer series, I would call it, um, I wanted to go through some updates. I know, Kelsey, you, um, since we last spoke, had a two-year anniversary and wanted to see and check in on how you were feeling that day, anything new that maybe came up versus last year, or just your overall thoughts and experiences with the day. Yes. So the definitely, as we've talked about, like the first of everything definitely have so much weight behind it um, and so much anxiety almost leading up to each first because you like don't know what it's going to be like. And last year on the on the fur the first year anniversary or the first year since her passing, we my dad, sister and I were at her grad school graduation. So there was very much like another event in the mix. Like we were all together, but we were focused on the graduation. And so we were able to make a nice enough like day out of it, even though obviously it was still very hard. Um, This year, my dad, sister and I all were separate. Like we weren't able to be together. And I think going into it, a little part of my brain was like, oh, I got through the first one. Like, yeah, the day will be a little sad, but like I got through the first one. So like, it's fine. And there was still that cloud over the day. And it was still on my mind, like more than I wish it was kind of a thing. Like she technically passed away, like barely on the, on June 11th, it was kind of like 1230 or something. And I was like out at a bar at that time. And it just felt like, like with some friends and it just felt very like, how is it that two years ago I was there and then fast forward two years and I'm at a bar like that just doesn't feel right. And I made a point to order a glass of champagne at this bar, which is obviously not what most people do at bars, but like in her honor to to have it. But it's still and then during the day I was hanging out with two of my really good friends, which I was like glad I had people to be around. Um, But I went to bed kind of feeling like, like, did I do enough to acknowledge the day? Like I kind of thought about it. I kind of didn't. I like kind of text with my dad and sister and they both had good days. I feel like they picked activities and we're with close people. But I think the moral of the story we all got out of it was like, for better or worse, like that day is just going to be a shitty day. And like, we should make a point to like, like, if it's a work day, like not work that day and to like do something either together or enjoyable because of all the anniversaries, like, I don't know, birthdays, there's some celebratory nature, but the the day of the passing just brings back the worst of the worst. Um, I just wanted to say that I think it's still great that you were able to, I guess, celebrate in a way by having that champagne and toast in a sense to her um, and finding like a little bit of spark of like positivity in the day, which I know can be really hard, but it's also totally fine if it's just like a sad day when you have it and experience it. Um, what was also interesting is the time of day that you like have that in your head too. That's something that I actually like have never really thought about. Um, and I'm wondering like, 
Is that something that that you thought about like last year or also like Mads with you and your experience? Like, is that something that crosses your mind? Like the actual time? So the last year, I don't know if the time was as much on my mind because I think I was sleeping like because it was just like the night before my sister's graduation or something. So I wasn't awake for it. But because I was awake, um, I was aware of it. And it yeah, the time does stick with me because I was there. I was the person to like note the time first. Like, so that really is ingrained in my brain. But yeah, I'd be curious, Mads, do you have like time of day like um, associated with it too? So I was immediately going to say no. And then you said like you were the one that marked it. Um, and I was, as I've said, I was the one that was with my um, my last grandfather when he passed away. And so I remember when we were like texting, like I told you, I think like my sister was like calling the funeral home and I was talking to his brother. And like, I do remember there was like, it was like seven thirty six in the morning. And I very much remember like that. But then like the time of death was marked later because it had to be when the nurse was there and they weren't there at the time. And it was this whole whole experience. Um, but yeah, I do. I didn't even think about it until you just asked that question. And Kels, I want to agree with Kathy. I don't know if you saw my smile. I know you always say um, that champagne was your mom's favorite. And I think it's kind of this like very cool, like bittersweet thing because it's her favorite thing. And it's also delicious, but also like, it's like almost like a celebration. Like, you know, it's like, it's happy. Like people would bring, people are drinking champagne. They're happy. And so like, I like that she has that little like spark too, that comes back up every time, every time you have that experience. Totally. No, the champagne, I felt a little crazy. It's one of those, it was like a really busy bar and everyone orders like espresso martinis there. And so for me to be like, do you have champagne? And they only had Vouve and it was like $20 for one glass. And I was just like, fuck it. Like, sure, I'll I'll get this one (laughs) glass, like better be worth it. But I felt like I would be messed up to then like turn that down. So yeah, they probably hadn't popped champagne in that bar in a while, but we made it. We made it happen. I mean, I feel like that's pretty on brand, probably for your mom too. <laughs> so celebrating her in the right way, Harry <laughs> would be proud. <laughs> Completely. We also Mads had a very important night that she experienced. Need to hear all about the Taylor Swift Eras tour from top to bottom. How was your day? Get the whole experience. It was just the best. I mean, I will say opening night with Kelsey on FaceTime was pretty special, but being in the moment, being with everyone, including the friendship bracelets. um, I was in Minneapolis and I went with a friend from college I hadn't seen in a long time um, because we were like, if we're going to spend the money, let's go somewhere we've never been. Let's go experience it. And so it was just magical. And I was joking around. I was like, I'm going to get terrible surprise songs if there's a terrible song, but you know, I'm going to get like me or like something funny. That's like a single hit. And I was like, this Minneapolis night too, but she actually gave us dear John and daylight. And I'm obsessed with daylight. And obviously dear John, like broke the internet while I was there. It was just amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better time. Um, I can't wait for Kathy to see it in LA when she, when that uh, happens shortly, I'm going to be vicariously living through her. Um, But it was just a absolute dream experience. I came home the next day and we were sitting at lunch. I was actually, I was with some family and I was pulling gems out of my hair. Like it was just like, they were like still in, like it was just a glittery, wonderful mess. And I could not have asked for a better experience. You really got some incredible surprise songs. Like, and you got her long speech about Dear John and obviously John Mayer. Like what was going through your mind when she was like saying all of that? Well, so it was, it's kind of funny. I feel like I like blacked out a little bit, you know, because no, I black out when I get, it'll feel a lot of emotions, but she was talking about this and I was like, what's she going to play? And she was talking about how it was a very highly requested song or whatever. Um, And I thought she was going to play long live, which I always say I'm jealous that Kathy will probably get at the last night. Um, 
And then when she was saying it, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I realized how how big it was because, um, you know, the Taylor Lautner thing that had just come out when he was like praying for John, like everybody was like being very dramatic that this album was about John Mayer. Um, so it was really funny. I just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was, I was like, is this, it was just insane. <laughs> and then Daylight After That was also great because that's one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. So I was elated to get both of those. I am just so excited for both of me and Kelsey's experiences and what we're going to have as our surprise songs. I actually also have to admit that I got another link because another LA show was added. So I am now officially going to two shows in LA on Monday night and the last night of the show because my seats are better on Monday night. TBD if we sell them or not, but that is an update, actually. (laughs) That is amazing. Obsessed with that. Yeah, I saw she randomly added that extra LA night. Um, Honestly, shoot your shot. Yeah, if you end up going to both, you feel like you'll you will not complain if you're ever going to see any show twice. It would be this one. And yeah, I'm very excited to go again too, being like towards the end of the tour now and knowing what to expect, but also post Speak Now Taylor's version and to see if she like adds in that. And then she also is going to have um, Haim. So I'm guessing I'll get No Body, No Crime added to the set list too. So very excited to go again. Um, I was just going to pass it to Mads to introduce our guests for today, um, who we're very excited to have and to touch on a part of grief that none of us have experienced and um, I think but is so important to talk about and just provide a different type of lens that we haven't actually shared on the podcast yet. So I'll leave it to Mads to take it away. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so we have my friend Blake on. I have known him for a gazillion years. We actually went to high school together, and he was a senior when I was a freshman. Um, So I would always thought, like, you know, the cool people were seniors. You couldn't talk to them. And he was always so kind. He would always say hi in the hallway. He would come hang out with me and my sister. Like, we were always always really cool. Um, We kept in contact on and off throughout the years and reconnected a few months ago. Um, We were just texting and catching up, and he had told me that he had lost his sister, which I immediately, my response was, oh my God, I have a podcast about grief. You should listen to it. And I sent him the link. And um, then I was like, you should come visit sometime. Or he said, you should be on, be on it sometime. And he's like, you know, I'm going to manifest it. I love One Tree Hill. I've always wanted to come to Wilmington. Like I'll come visit this summer. Because I think I texted you guys and I was like, oh, this person said he's going to come visit. We'll do it. Um, and then he he's here. So I'm very grateful that he is here to talk about it. Um, we kind of touched briefly that he hasn't really had a, a huge, huge um group of people he's discussed it with. So um, we're very grateful that he chose us to to do that and to experience his um, grief journey. Thank you for introing Mads. And Blake, thank you so much for being on. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started, but just so appreciate you being willing to share your experience that sadly so many people do have. And Hopefully it's a little bit cathartic to talk about, um, but I guess to start things off from whatever you're comfortable sharing, um, what was your relationship with your sister like? Um, kind of paint the picture of like your age difference, how close you were, like if you had any other siblings, the family dynamic, kind of paint the picture of you and Jillian. Yeah, sure. Well, it's so nice being here. Um, I'm very much looking forward to discussing it more in an outlet that's not just for myself because I feel like that's kind of how the past two years have have been so my sister uh my sister passed away two years ago um it was December 4th 
of 2021. Um, but before all of that, before all of the uh, sad um, news about that, you know, we were like, we had different dads, same mom, my mom, my sister and I were always like a trinity. Um, and no matter what happened, we were always going to come back together and we were going to understand each other like no one else could. Um, and so when she passed, I was 28. So she was 35. Um, and she passed, you know, about a year and a half after COVID hit too. So I feel like a lot of time was robbed, um, from, from us when it, when it hit. Um, and so that's something that I'm, I've always kind of had difficulty understanding, like why the timing of that, um, happened in the way that it did. We had always lived a couple states apart. She went to the University of Wisconsin. And so she left for her freshman year at UW when I was just a smelly 11 year old, you know, <laughs> who didn't really understand why his sister was leaving. Um, Cause she was always like a second mom in her own cool, like sisterly way. Um, and so the idea that she got out of, you know, South Bend made her own path is always something that I admired. Um, my mom had, you know, has lived in South Bend, Indiana, her entire life, just right by, you know, campus of Notre Dame. And so when she would come home when I was 11, 12, and so on and so forth, it was always the coolest thing. So I always wanted to hear what was, you know, going on in college. She always had stories, but not like your typical college stories. She was always super artsy. She was never into like the popular kids. She was kind of always her own like rogue wolf like character. Um, and that's what I always loved about her. Sorry if that was like winding into different things, but I don't know, a lot to share, a lot of love there. We love so a winding path. Yeah. <laughs> we love a winding path here. You're wind as much as you want. All right, cool. No, that's great. We love honesty and appreciate anything that you want to share and however you want to share it. Um, so it's, and thank you again for me um, that you're coming on um, to the show and kind of just talking about this experience. I was interested to know if this loss is the first time you ever experienced grief in your life. Um, and obviously it may be like the most severe loss you've had so far, but was it your first experience kind of navigating all of these new feelings and kind of if you're comfortable sharing and what you're comfortable sharing with, if you can talk through that? Yeah, this this was by far my first and biggest loss I think I could ever experience um, because it happened so sudden. Um, back, background on how it occurred, she passed away December 4th due to a brain aneurysm. Um, and it was out of the blue. Um, her um, boyfriend um, said that, you know, she went down for a nap, basically. It was a long, like, week of work. And um, when he got back home from, you know, running a couple errands, she was no longer breathing. Um, and so it happened on a Saturday afternoon. And I found out when I woke up Sunday morning, um, roughly like 7 a.m., um, I found out by way of my mom, she called, she called me once and I was weirdly awake, like super early on a Sunday. 
Um, and she called once, but like my mom is known for calling me at what at whatever hour of the day is or night. And it's always at the worst possible time. Like I could be just beginning a work presentation or something like that. And it's like, oh, mom. Um, and so when she called, I was like, I'm not going to answer it, not thinking anything of it. <clears throat> and she left a voicemail. And I was like, that was weird. Seven, seven a.m. And she was in tears, you know, um, and she was like, Blake, um, we need to talk something happened. Um, call me as soon as you get this. And so I went, you know, I left my bedroom, I went downstairs and I called her and I was expecting her. Like, it's kind of odd. Um, I was expecting her boyfriend slash partner of 28 years to have been the one that had passed. He had just, checked himself into rehab about a week before. Um, and I was expecting something like that. Cause it like just the tone in her voice on the voicemail was different than I, anything I had ever heard. And I was expecting that. And she's like, your sister Jillian um, is dead. And um, my mind went to, did she do it herself? Um, and I know that death by suicide is a very layered thing. And um, I want to respect it, but, my mom, my sister, and I have always dealt with um, pretty severe mental health issues. Um, and so that's where my first thought went. And she said she doesn't know. Um, all that she knows is, you know, um, her boyfriend came home from, you know, errands and she's no longer breathing. And they, they'll, they'll do an autopsy report in a few days and we'll, fi we'll find out then. Um, I'm not a big crier. It's kind of, it's really hard for me to cry. I've always been kind of numb with like my own feelings my entire life. Um, and I cried very, very hard. And I entered that first like state of shock. Um, I think there's multiple states of shock as you um, experience grief. But the first one, I went back upstairs. My ex was in the bedroom and I told her and I was just like, you know, completely blacked out but like wanting to help my mom in any way possible because my mind went there too like i have to put everyone before myself because i have to be the strong one because that's how i've always been um and so i called my mom like i told my ex i you know wept for hours and then i was like i need to call my mom back um and the first words i told her were she didn't do it she did not she did not do do this. She would never leave us in this situ in this uh, situation. Um, and she was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "No, it just never would happen." And so um, I didn't know what to do that day, especially. Um, I didn't know if I should go to South Bend. I don't know if I should listen to music all day. I don't know if I should like drink water or eat food. I just didn't know how to proceed because you never plan for something like that, but especially just a life gone and the matter of a nap. Um, and that was that, that day was one of the most difficult and strangest days of my entire life. Um, and we found out a few days after it was due to a brain aneurysm. Um, she had been, she had always been known of just like being super clumsy and she just falls all the time and, you know, like hits her head. And so in some weird like way, it just comforted me in a way of like, it's, you know, it's, she just, she just bumped her head on some 
on something come to find out it was actually heaven and not you know just a silly wall or a silly thing hanging down or a shelf um and so yeah it's some it's something that i unpack almost every day in my head even if i may not show it it's something that i try to understand why um and i may never know the answer to that but it happened and i have to deal with it well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think that was all so honest. And so um, I think a lot of people will find that very relatable and kind of walking us through those series of events and like how sudden, how young, getting it over the phone and a voicemail and having to call back, having to wait for an autopsy, like all of those points and how, like you said, like nobody prepares you nothing in life prepares you or could ever prepare you to go through a day or a series of days like that. Um, but I think a couple things were interesting or that stood out that you said that you like let yourself cry when you aren't typically a crier and you had that release, but then something you kind of snapped into that you wanted to be strong or be the one there for your mom or be the one there for others. Um, how did you kind of start doing that? Or like, what was your role in the immediate events following? Like, did you start planning some kind of service? Like, what was that experience like for you guys? Yeah, so there's, you know, there are parts of December of 2021 that I have definitely blacked out. But I would say the most insane thing that happened afterwards was I went to work the next day. Um I'm a speech language pathologist for an elementary school. It's something that I've done for six six years now since I graduated with with my master's from Ball State. Um, and I went to work because that's just that seemed like the easiest thing to do in a time like that. And I've told several people about that, and like the look on their face is just like, "You did what?" Um, and so I, you know. I walked into work, I set everything up like I usually do. I was looking at my schedule and I knew I was like, okay, well, I need to discuss it with my principal and my assistant principal. Um, and there, you know, I walk into their office like, Hey, how was your weekend, Blake? And I was like, there's no good way to, uh, share this, but this is what I'm dealing with. And, um, sorry if it was a bit of a bandaid rip, but here we are. Um, and it, you know, since I work in a school, we have this amazing thing called winter break. And it was only about two weeks out. And so in my head, I was already trying to plan out like how the next two weeks will look. Um, since it happened so suddenly, I was like, I don't think the funeral is going to happen for at least a week. I think we're going to have like a little bit of time. Um, and, you know, my mom and I were in such a shock that it was like planning a funeral we're doing what um and we just had a heart like we needed a little bit more time than your prototypical i don't know death on sunday funeral by wednesday if that's if that's like a normal timeline i feel like it's just it's lesser than a couple of weeks right um but i went to work that monday i worked the entire day i called my mom um driving home from school and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to be okay, mom. Because I was set in the stage of you have to be the strongest one here. Because if you are not strong, everything else will fall because your sister's no longer there. 
And um, that was hard, but I've always been just so used to assuming that role, even though I was the youngest. Um, but being the male role model in our Trinity um, and just knowing how much I meant to my sister and mean to my mom, I had to be the brave one. And so I, you know, called my mom probably every single day. Um, those were a lot of really hard phone calls. Um, I distracted myself as much as possible. Um, and I think that unfortunately set the tone for the next couple of years. I got so good at distracting myself and so good at putting on a mask that no one could see how I was actually feeling. I think that that's super interesting and I think also a parallel that we've heard in the past actually when we had another male guest come on and talk about kind of assuming that role of like being maybe like the man of the house or just taking on more ownership and responsibility and you said that you were calling your mom more and kind of checking in on her how would you say that your relationship with your mom kind of evolved after that and has that changed in different ways and I know um I'll just say I'm an only child and so I think sometimes I think about like the dynamics of, and the changes between the relationship I had with both of my parents versus just one. Um, and just, yeah, I'm just very curious to hear your thoughts on how you think it's changed yeah, I, or if it hasn't. Um, had a bit of like a, you know, whimsical moment that I'm still very proud of in my first therapy session after my sister's passing of, I told my therapist who I still see now, um, my relationship is not going to change because I cannot be myself and my sister to my mom. Um, and so I don't know how I got, had that perspective a week after, but just in that moment, in that moment, I wasn't going to change that. Um, now it's naturally going to change itself. I don't have full control over that, but my sister and I, or my sister and my mom were, I felt always closer than my mom and I are. Um, I think they just went through very similar experiences. They're very similar people. Um, I'm sort of different. I'm kind of on my own with different interests, different hobbies, just a different path that I took. And so knowing who my sister was to my mom, um, I was like, I can't be that and still be true to myself. Um, and so it's something that I've really tried to work on, um, showing up for my mom enough without stepping on my sister's toes and, um, being honest at the end of the day. Like I, I can only force so much without it getting into the way of how I want to feel. I think that's crazy you had that perspective that quickly after. That's really crazy that you were able to think that. And that's something that I think is really common in anyone experiencing grief is that family dynamics do change. And I kind of had to go through that too of like, I can't be like my mom for my dad or for my sister. I just need to be me. And for you to be able to identify that, you're like, I cannot put that pressure on myself to be my sister for my mom. Like I just need to be the best version I can be um, is so I feel like profound and accurate that you were able to think that so quickly. Um, a couple, I have, well, I have a lot of questions, but first few questions is um, you've said that you haven't really talked a lot about 
the grief other than in therapy. But would you identify just talking about her as talking about grief? Like when it's like, oh, like Jillian loved apples or like, oh, this reminds me of Jillian or like whether it's with friends or your mom, like do you do you catch yourself being able to be in spaces where you can talk about her easily without getting sad? Do you like that? Um, is it different with like you and friends who maybe like don't know her who are just trying to be a good friend to you versus like you and your mom? Like what has that experience been like? still bond over music now um like for example um i wish i knew the song um i should have researched that um there was so i went i stopped at like a supermarket a couple days after and there was a song i was playing and i remember like a very vivid memory of like on my 15th birthday i had a friend stay over and my mom and sister were out drinking in the living room like yelling the song at the top of their lungs and so it was just the first moment first normal moment going to the store buying you know vegetables that song's on and i just like i i like put my tongue in my cheek and I just like looked up and I was like, all right, all right. If we're, you know, if it's, if it's going to happen like this, let it be. Um, Don't cry because of it, but just feel Um, and don't try to block it out. Um, Don't hum to, you know, block out the noise, like just let it be because this is her way of, you know, coming back to me. Um, And so that was a way that I was able to experience the grief even though it was only so recent um i had her show up in one of my dreams only a week after and we had like a legit conversation and i still remember it to this day where she was like i'm okay but you have to be there for mom um and i think back to that sometimes and like that does get me emotional because it's like am i living up to it am i living up to what she said because that's the only dream i've ever had with her since it happened um there are times if i'm watching like let's say a wisconsin games on right whether it's wisconsin football or basketball i'm thinking of when i was at the cole center for her college graduation i'm like you know it's just like the only time i was up in madison when she went to school there was for that and naturally it was in a sports stadium. And so I've always been super into, you know, whatever game is on and she never was. And so it's just like the weird, like balance of, of that, of course it happens. like like it does. Um, but yeah, I've mainly reconnected with her through music. Um, and then there are times in life too, I think I'm going like long winded again, but there, there are times too, where, I do something like, let's say, whether it's work or whether it's my social relationships or friendships that I'm like, she would have laughed at that or she would be proud of me because of that. Um, And so that's a unique feeling because I want to be emotional about it. But at the same time, I'm just like, let it be. Um, Accept it for what it is. You can't speak for her. She might be laughing because you think you're proud of it. You know, you think she's proud of it, but really she's like, you really said that? Or like, you know, you think that was a good joke or something like that. Um, and so I'll just kind of have like a moment, look look up and, you know, just laugh with her too. I think that that's so incredibly mature that you've embraced all of these kinds of signs of her presence and in such positive ways. I know 
I have experienced it in more of like a sadness overcoming me and feeling it in that regard. And I'm curious, and I don't mean to like refresh any memories or bad memories, but was there ever a a time where there was like a trigger or something that actually evoked like a really vulnerable emotion that you kind of weren't expecting? There's nothing that comes to mind. Um, It's something that it's, it's almost to a fault of mine. How I focused on that first month when it happened, I was like pushed through no matter what. And I became numb over her passing for a long time afterwards. I would say the entire year leading up to the one year anniversary of it. I was like, I'm fine. I'll go through it. Don't ask me about it. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. Um, because basically I wrote a post or I have always been into writing. And so I wrote a long like story to her the week that it happened. I wrote um, a speech for her, you know, funeral. And that's a note that I still have on my phone. I can open it whatever time I want. Um, But after it happened, I was like, you'll get, you'll get through this just like you have with everything else. And it kind of led me to having many numb months, many now a couple of numb years too of she is, she is gone, but my life won't change. And I think it's very bold of me to say, because when it happens, your life changes no matter, no matter what. And um, so that is hard sometimes where I'm like, am I feeling enough? Am I being in introspective enough on my own feelings am i just trying to make myself blind to it so i don't have to deal with another traumatic story um i want to thank you for sharing all the things that you've shared um it's funny and this is the whole reason we do the podcast you said two things in your grief stories um you when you went to work the next day when kathy's father passed away and she was 12 she just went to school the next day like she just is the same and how you said you blacked out like that's why i even started the podcast because they know like when my papa passed away i just blacked out for like two weeks and i thought it was the craziest thing so all of the things that you're saying and all it's all kind of i love to see how it touches each other when we're recording because that's why we started this thing um it's something we all feel together um so do you think that like so i guess you don't have any big um do you have any physical, do you feel like anything that you do when you're in those moments, even though they don't, they don't make you cry or get emotional, obviously couldn't be me. I was crying when he was talking about the story because I had never heard the full story before. And it was just, it was, I could never just not cry. Um, but do you have any tactics or things that you think you subconsciously do whenever you're in those moments? Or does it like, cause I feel like it's kind of, you you seem very well adjusted. And I know you go to therapy. We all do um, on the podcast, but what kind of, or what do you, if you don't have any tactics, what do you think credits the fact that you're able to just like kind of keep on with your day without it being like a a stop yeah so my initial want to go to therapy was for like a bad like um imposter syndrome um i had it very strongly as a speech language pathologist and five months into it my sister passes and so the entire like means of therapy shifted on its head and basically each session to with the months to follow that was my time to really get deep into it to really discuss everything um and then when i would leave it'd be like i would just kind of shut that box put a lid on it 
and um, wait until the next session. Um, and that was healthy for me. I know it's not is it's not as easy for everyone else, but that was my time um, to share it, and that allowed me to sort of compartmentalize somehow um, her passing to the rest of everything else that was going on in my life. Um, I think when people go through grief and they don't have a therapist, I admire them to a point. And then it's like, okay, but like, have you heard of therapy? Um, Because man, this could be really nice and this could be great. Um, And you could open a whole nother door that you never thought you would walk through, but they're going to be your person. And they're they're. I have a big thing with like the boys that I've been friends with for, uh, for like, they're my foxhole guys. Like I would go to war for them. And so looking back on it now, like my, my therapist month five into my time with her, she became like, she was in my foxhole um, because she got me through, through, a lot of days that a lot of days and weeks that I just jam packed into those sessions. So it was like 55 minute sessions and then I would leave. And I was like, she, she probably needs a Xanax herself <laughs> when I would leave because it'd be so much. So like minute one, here we are, here's what I'm going through. Um, how can I get through it better? Totally pro therapy, completely agree. Like, can, cannot understand and fathom how people go through serious grief without access to a therapist. Um, I think that's so interesting that you like reserved your time to really process it strictly for therapy. And it sounds like then, like, I kind of have questions. You can answer this how you want about your relationships then outside therapy. So, does that mean because you wanted to be strong for your mom, you wouldn't really talk about it with her? part one, part two, because you're quote, your guy and your close guy friends, like, was that not a thing to like talk to your guy friends about it? Would they not ever want to talk to you about it? That whole mental, you know, trick that everyone thinks of like, oh, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to make them sad. And we say like, well, guess what? Like, we're always thinking about it. So like you bringing it up isn't reminding us of anything. And then part three, is you mentioned when you found out about her passing, your ex was with you. And so I'm curious, like what it was like then, like having a girlfriend or boyfriend at that time and then ending that relationship if when they were there for you kind of during that very, very, very vulnerable moment. So outside of therapy, I'm curious about like the fan of all the other relationships. Um, So number one, um, the calls with my mom, I shared a little bit how I was going through. She would always ask, don't give me wrong, but I would want to be there for her. So like those 60 minute phone calls, 50 for her, 10 for me. Right. Um, and I was fine doing that because no matter who she would talk to about it, it wasn't going to be a person that was going to be in the Trinity that was going to be able to understand us to a, to a point. Um, and so something that, um, happened over time with those calls is you know sorry mom but like there would be days where she would call and it's like i don't know if i can show up for her in the way that i want to not really that the way that she wants me to but just the way that i want to um so i would worry i was only at like 25 percent capacity and i wasn't going to be able to reach that 100 that she needs in those moments and so a day might pass and i might call her the next day um and so that 
um, me kind of taking back some of that control a few months after my sister passed definitely helped me with my own compartmentalization of um, showing up for everyone else. With the second question you asked of how it kind of impacted my relationship with my boys, um, you know, something really funny happened the first weekend after um, my friend Nate and his wife Lauren were in town from Cincinnati and you know, I knew, I knew that they were going to be in town and they had just moved from San Diego like a couple months before. And still just knowing that they were in town, like I still wanted to see them. And so even though this happened, um, and so it was like, we had four different couples there. Um, and we were at, you know, their friend's apartment. No one asked me about it. No one asked me about my sister. Um, when I, we walked into brunch, I think someone gave me a hug and was like, doing all right? And I was like, yeah. Um, and so I got through a whole like social situation where we were there for hours and I wasn't asked about it. I wasn't able to really think about it, which was in a way super healthy. Um, and then after it happened, um, it sort of changed. Um, it sort of changed in a way of when I have, um, when we're, when let's say we, we have a few drinks and it's just, it's just us guys and it's super late into the night. That's when they feel comfortable asking me about it, which is completely fine. Um, I'm an open book throughout the days, throughout my days and nights, like ask me whatever you want. I will give you a genuine answer. Um, and so, we will occasionally discuss it, but they know how I am. They know how I operate and they know that I'm strong enough to get through just about anything. Um, and it's not just a brave face, you know, it's something that I truly do feel. Um, for question three, you know, how it affected my relationship with my ex and then how it's played out like since we ended you know, she showed up for me during that month and the months to follow in a way that I'm still forever thankful for. Um, she was a rock during a time like that in which I really needed it. Um, and I'm still very much appreciative for her. Um, she bought my, um, for my, my sister's birthday is March 28th. And that day of, she sent my mom like a, book about grief, um, lunch from like DoorDash flowers and stuff I, I hadn't even thought thought about, but I still like am thankful for the one year anniversary, um, which was, you know, just December 4th, 2022. She bought us both the, uh, I can pop it off, but it's the, it's the bracelets you see on TikTok where, um, there's like a picture in it. And so, um, it's something that I, it's the best, one of the best gifts I've ever received. Um, and it's really cool because the picture inside it is a picture of my master's graduation with my sister and I, and that's a very special day, not just for getting through six and a half years of college, but, um, but for my mom wasn't able to be there because she had checked herself into a mental health facility two days before and my my sister drove down from madison wisconsin to muncie indiana and she showed up in a way that i'm forever thankful for um and so just you know that memento from her is something that i'll keep forever um 
and just because our really our really our relationship's done doesn't mean i'm not thankful for who she was when i really needed it it's so encouraging to hear that you had kind of like a very it seems like healthy support system around you during that time and people that really were thoughtful um and i kind of give a lot of kudos to the people around you because not a lot of people know how to step up right away and in the right ways i guess and of course there's no manual um or anything like guidebook for to teach people that and that's also another reason for our podcast is to kind of give that community of of supporters tools and resources that they can use so i just think it's pretty incredible how everybody stepped up in ways that were just so amazing already without having, and who knows, I don't know their backgrounds, but maybe not have, at least not with you having experienced that before. So um, definitely big kudos to them. And I kind of wanted to touch on something that you mentioned at the top of the podcast that I was curious about is that you, I think you said that you weren't like a really emotional person before loss and with grief. And at the time, like you were naturally on the day of and when you heard the news, you were really emotional. I'm curious to know if that's changed ever since or if like therapy has really guided you or unlocked emotions or kind of just like coped with them in a healthier way. Um, and yeah, just if that's yeah, changed in since. In a way, it's, I don't know if it's helped. I don't know if I'm more emotional now. I'm definitely um, keen on size of the problem after she passed is like if there's just like you know minor inconveniences and people are super upset by like i kind of get triggered by it um because i'm like this isn't worth it um and not like a condescending I, I really try to never be condescending but i'm just like you this is you've been through worse, you know? And so it's sort of like a, like a, that numb thing of like, I'm not going to feel what you're feeling because I've been through hell with it. Um, and so it's, so it's kind of given me a lot of perspective that I necessarily didn't have. Um, I have to remind myself of that too. Like I'll get mad at like a football game and I'll be, you know, like, you know, yelling at the TV or something. I'm like, dude, like, this is not that serious. And so that's, that's how it changed. Um, and in a way too, it almost like her passing made me even more numb, um, than I was. And it's something that I, I'm still trying to work on in my therapy sessions. It's like, you're allowed to feel, um, just, just because you've been through worse doesn't mean you don't have to feel now. Um, and so it's something that's going to be an ongoing, battle um and something that i hope to get through um because there is a lot of ghost-like moments that happened in the years the two years that have followed of just being there physically but my head is out in you know left field basically yeah no that makes a lot of sense and i definitely resonate with the perspective switch and that i also still catch myself like if i'm mad at traffic or something and it's like you know, snap out of it. But also the dichotomy of like, you you are allowed to still feel like stressed or annoyed or sad about other things. But yeah, it can be especially triggering. I know like Kathy's brought up a story when like she was younger and a friend was complaining about something their dad did or like, you know, somebody's complaining, especially like in that category or like complaining about like, 
this person not doing this or something that seems so trivial. And like, we've all sadly unlocked such a deeper level of sadness than some people have, I guess, you know, everyone, I guess, gets there eventually, sadly. But like, we've unlocked this deeper level that it's like, it can be frustrating to hear from other people. Um, I am curious. Um, I'm curious, you keep using the word numb to describe how you're feeling. And I just want to clarify kind of a couple things to make sure I'm understanding what you mean by it, because it does seem like you are processing and you are feeling it and you are thinking about her. Like I would consider like my definition of numb would be somebody who is like barely able to operate in life, like isn't going to therapy, like is just kind of like frozen and can't talk about it. So when you say numb, do you mean like you're really good at compartmentalizing it sometimes or you like force yourself to compartmentalize it sometimes? And I'm curious of like year one versus you're like kind of in year two, like how yes, that's you know, transitioned. I'm feeling a lot of different things, but it's numb to a point where you can't read it on my face, um, where it's almost I've almost developed like a flat affect with really big emotional moments. And I don't mean to be that way on the exterior. It's just happened in that way where I've been through worse. My brain knows it. Um, I'm feeling it just like, you know, you would, but you can't read it. Um, and that like masking feeling something that's I had before, but it went up like 10 different levels following her passing. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like as grievers, we actually put on masks all the time in different, depending on the situation. So I can only imagine if that was kind of like a tactic or coping mechanism that you've had before. It would just exponentially rise after that. Cause I think, um, and we've all talked about different times where we're in situations that you don't want to like pierce the air with awkward news or emotions that are uncomfortable, maybe for other people. And you're kind of like monitoring how other people's reactions are versus your own feelings. Um, and so it kind of comes from a place of, at least from my, from my experience of like managing other people's emotions before my own um, and like not wanting to express anything or show anything, but it might just be so second nature to you that that's just like, it's not even a, a, there's not as much thought that goes into it. Whereas like mine's a little bit maybe more intentional. Would you agree yeah, with that? It's like, at all? I've, I've never liked people worrying about me. And so this was the first legitimate thing where people of all shapes and sizes from no matter where I was at, if they knew me, they knew what I was going through. Cause I was pretty public with it on, you know, social media after it happened. Um, because I hate re-explaining the story and that's something I tried to get out ahead. And so once I shared, shared that, um, it was like, um, don't worry about me. And I know how insane that sounds. My sister just passed. They're going to worry about you. Um, but I just wanted to put on that brave exterior of don't worry about me. I will get through it. Um, just keep being you. That's all. That's all I need. Just keep being you. I don't need all of the questions. I don't need all of the check-ins. Just keep being you because that's why you're my friend, or that's why you're my coworker, and I am confident sharing, you know, those like intimate details with. Um, because it's really hard knowing that people are so concerned about what I'm going through because I'm more worried about them. 
Yeah, that's so relatable. And I completely understand the like posting on social media. So it's out there and like the world we live in is so weird that it's like, you know, back in the day, it'd be like an obituary in the newspaper, which maybe still happened too. But you also weirdly do kind of need to announce need to, I guess you don't, but like, it's helpful to announce it on social media. So yeah, you don't get those questions. So you don't get that random friend being like, Hey, how are you and your family doing? And you have to be like, Oh, well, like you just kind of can rip the bandaid off all at once. Um, I have a, a question for you that is a very sad question. And I don't, we don't like this podcast to actually get so sad, but just being that I'm so close to my sister, I feel like I'd be remiss to like not ask it, but I'm going to try to do it carefully. Um, the sibling relationship is really unique, right? Like people will say it's the one relationship, like you technically have like the longest in your life, right? Like at some point, like your, your parents kind of pass like halfway through your life, hopefully if you're lucky and you maybe get married one day, but like that person comes into your life later. Um, so in my opinion, and I've lost my mom and it has been like such a gut wrenching loss, but I also can feel like an even in some ways, like deeper gut wrenching sense of like a sibling because it's like, it's your partner. And I know you guys had a little bit of an age difference, but we're clearly, so I just like knowing that, like I said, knowing other people have gone through this loss, like how would you like, what would you want people to understand about you that you've, you've been through this? Because like, I just don't want to brush it under the rug. I know you say not to worry about you. And I don't mean this out of like worrying about you, but just to like explain it, like that is such a yes. sacred relationship. Um, when we, so the night before the funeral, we all met like my mom, um, you know, myself, um, and then her dad's side of the family. Um, we all met up at her and her boy friend's house in Madison. And, um, during those four hours that I was there, I felt like, you know, three different big feelings of, I was angry at the loss of opportunity and that, ha that could have happened in the past. I hated that she wasn't there in that moment when it felt like she was going to turn the corner down the hall at any second. And then I got, um, just so sad with the loss of future opportunity um you know she's never going to meet my kids she's never going to be Anne jillian she's um she's going to be like never a distant memory but her physical presence won't be here for me for them um and all of her friends too and so just that past present and future all hit at once the night before um her funeral and it hit me so deeply that that was the moment that I chose to speak during the ceremony afterwards, because I had no plans to. Um, and so that night I went back to the hotel room. I wrote, you know, three, four paragraphs um, and I kind of changed on it. I changed it throughout the day um, leading up to it. And I look back on that as one of the, you know, coolest things I've, I've ever done. Um, one of the bravest things that I've done before. Um, and I still have the, you know, I still have this speech now. Um, and it's something that she would have done for me in the same situation. And so that sibling relationship, like you think, you know, better than the other one, you think, you know, it's always sort of like a little competition. Um, but just knowing that I showed up for her the way she would have showed up for me is something that I, kept in mind then and I still keep keep in mind now. 
One thing that we've we've talked about a bit is that we are both close with our siblings. Um, and you know, I have also had similar thoughts of like my future partner will never know like who my papa was or all of these things. Um, do you have a way in your brain that you either talk about her or things that, or do you think that there's like some kind of like, how do you keep her legacy alive when you're talking to her or meeting and explaining her to people who've never met her um, on top of like, you know, your bracelet and all the things you've mentioned. Like, what do you, what do you think is, is the way to say, like to tell people about who she was? Yeah. I, I don't bring her up a lot. Um, but when people do ask, I'm always like, she would have fit in in any room, no matter if she wanted to be there or or not. And she probably didn't want to be be there. Um, <laughs> she was always, you know, like a just an artsy introvert, but she had her people. She was so cool. Um, and so how I describe her is like, when you, if you had a chance to speak with her, you guys would have been friends instantaneously um because she just has a way of showing up for you in ways that you may have not felt before um that's how we that's how we were we would go weeks or months without talking sometimes so then we would talk and it was just like i was next door um or next you know the next room over before she left for college and we were we never had a sibling rivalry, but we were always there for each other. And that's how she was for people. And so um, there might be a person like, you know, you may, you remind me of my sister, or that makes, makes me think, think of her, let me tell you about this memory. Um, and so that's well, where it will occasionally happen. I'm excited to, you know, in the future when I do have kids and, um, I get to introduce them to Jillian and just knowing that um, she's always going to be there, um, but they can come to me and they can come to my mom for more memories too. It sounds like you had a very special relationship, uh, just the way that you speak about her, which is just really great that we can feel that through your words. Um, And I think that that'll be special with whoever you do share that with in the future. So I also just had one kind of interesting question, which is you mentioned that you were kind of different from your sister. She was artsy, introverted. Is there anything from her life that you've like incorporated into your life, whether it's things that she liked or a personality somewhat like traits or anything that you feel like you've carried on? because that's a way of remembering her. I don't, I don't know what inspired this question, but it just kind of she was um, always super came to me. Quick. So I'm rolling um, with it. You know, there might be saying like her, uh, you know, my mom, my sister and I were, were, we just like being sharp. We like being the smartest person in the room. And so just don't not being afraid to, to hit, hit someone with a line and, not being so afraid it might hurt their feelings either because like they have to be able to joke with themselves about it and they have to be able to just like you know give it and take it too and so that's something that i've leaned into ever since um she was always really good at it she loved making fun of me um and just just the you know the dopey golden retriever that i am as a person and so just when i'm when i have a line or when um i laugh at myself i'm just thinking about the two of us laughing. Um, And so that always makes me really, really happy. That's like very 
special and cool. And I really like that. And I think like as people who've gone through loss, just finding as many ways as possible to like carry on their memory and honor them and have those kind of silent inside joke moments, I think are some of the most impactful ways to like keep moving forward. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing all that you've shared. I think it's like really impactful to yeah, everyone listening to hear that kind of perspective. Um, one more thing. The song was Linger by the Cranberries. Um, and so that's like a very common song you might hear in a mire or, you know, store like that. I kept saying to myself, like, don't let me linger. Don't let me linger. What is that song? And so um, very happy to have very happy to put that as the last <laughs> note I say on my uh, on my appearance um, because I would have been a fool if I couldn't think think of that song. But no, um, so thankful for this. Um, so appreciative that you that you guys have put together a podcast like this. When I think of podcast, I naturally think of like a a super timely sports one or a murder mystery one, right. That are super in. Um, but this is one that needs to happen. Um, and it needs, to, we need to discuss grief more and not like a big scary thing, but just something that's normal to discuss because we're all here for each other. Thank you, Blake. I was going to ask if you had anything else to say, but you cut me to the chase because, you know, wrapping, wrapping it up. But uh, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful you're visiting. I'm grateful you wanted to do this and not only shared with me your mental health journey and your grief experience privately, um, but also being open to doing this and meeting my friends and getting to join the crew. We are very grateful to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, such like the perfect sentiment to end on. And as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share and follow us on social. Um, we appreciate you. Bye. Bye.